3 a.m. Again, why did I ever think this was a good idea? Welcome to the Rise and Run podcast. Join our group of Run Disney friends as we talk about running at Walt Disney World and beyond. We'll discuss recent runs, training, upcoming races, and surprise topics suggested by you, our listeners. Well, the alarm's gone off, so let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to wherever you're at in the world. This is Martinez Evans, the author of Slow F Run Club, the ultimate guide for anybody who wants to run. And you're listening to Rise and Run. You know what y'all want to do. Get on up off the couch and listen to this podcast while you're running. Thank you, Martinez. That's our buddy Martinez. Gummit, glad to hear from him. I know he's out on his book tour, and I know several of our friends have had a chance to meet him. I hope he gets down here to Florida one of these days. I would love to say hi to Martinez. Well, hello, friends. Welcome to episode 95 of the Rise and Run podcast. I'm Bob. I'm here this evening with Allie. Hi, friends. With John. Hey, how you doing? With Jack. Hey, everybody. With Lexi. Hello. With Greg. Hey, hey, hey. And with Alicia. Hello. <laughs> Good to see you, gang. Full house tonight. Great show this evening, my friends. Our guest, Mr. Run Disney Training himself, Jeff Galloway. Always wonderful, exciting, entertaining, and informational to chat with Jeff. He answers all of the questions we had sent forward and tells us about what's going on with some of the, I call them Jeff Galloway productions, but we'll talk more about that in just a little bit. In the race report spotlight tonight, our friend Amy did the 716 resurgence run in Buffalo. And later this episode, we've got a big announcement about an opportunity to maybe support the podcast a little bit. Friends, if you enjoy the podcast, please share us with your friends. We love watching this community grow, watching this family get bigger all the time. One of the best ways to do that, introduce somebody to Rise and Run. We want to share in your training journey. Please remember to follow us on Facebook, Rise and Run Podcast, on Instagram at Rise and Run Pod, and visit our webpage, riseandrunpodcast.com. If you got a question, a comment, a race report, you want to introduce an upcoming episode, or you just want to say hey, give us a call at our hotline, 727-266-2344. Leave us a recorded message. We're out of intros, so if you leave us one, chances are real good you'll hear it real soon. The Rise and Run podcast is sponsored in part by our friends at Magic Bound Travel. Magic Bound's the place to go to arrange for your run Disney vacation. All experienced run Disney pros at Magic Bound who will be there to help you out. Remember, the services Magic Bound provides are always free. MagicBoundTravel.com is the webpage. Gang, the days are counting down. We're into week three training for wine and dine, week four training for marathon weekend. Let's take a look. We got 
15 weeks until wine and dine. That sounds oh manageable. Gosh. That sounds you know, manageable. That's like two hands and a foot. You can count on those. You know? Yep. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah we're, that's right. We only have to take off one shoe. Yeah. That's getting better. I like it. Uh, the, uh, the, training pro, the training plans, of course, are available from Disney, but they're also up on our Facebook sites. If you're doing one of the challenges for Wine and Dine, your long run this weekend is three miles. Marathon weekend is now 24 weeks away. The long run for the challenges is five and a half miles. We're in week four of that training. I got one quick uh, apology or alibi or kind of something in between. Our friend Danny from the Netherlands, when I talked last week, I said something like, uh, it was 93 if Danny's conversion is correct. And I didn't mean to imply that I didn't think it was correct. I know Danny's a bright guy and he knows how to convert centigrade to Fahrenheit. It was in fact 93 in the Netherlands when he made that run. Uh, pretty warm. I don't care where you are. Uh, Danny still did a good job. Danny's been a lot of fun uh, back and forth. A good runner, good friend over there in the Netherlands. Friends, since we had the... Uh, we talked about how long and what's going on with training. Any training highlights we want to chat about? I have one, Bob. My training has been going really well. Um, I'm doing a little bit of a different schedule than everybody else. And so this week, or last week, I had my first back-to-back run, um, and that went well. So I'm, I'm excited to that things are going well. That is good. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah, several of us have different training schedules, especially folks in Customized, or I know Alicia... Yeah. You have your own training schedule. That's outstanding. Um, I was finally making progress. I gave into the heat, slowed down, did seven miles on Saturday. I actually split it up. I got up really early, did four miles here around my home, and then took the 30-minute drive to where our park run is and did another three miles over there. Felt great. I'm really starting to Really starting to believe that these old injuries, the Achilles tendon and the knee replacement are behind me. And then uh, Saturday afternoon, I broke my toe. Oh, so, so, oh my goodness. I, I hit it on the, uh, I hit it on the side of a dresser and look, we've Ugh. all, we've all done that, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you've all done oh, it. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. And it, it hurts. And the thing was, this didn't hurt that much. But I looked down, and as I describe it, four toes were pointing north, and one was pointing northeast. And I went, Yikes. that ain't good. Nope. So, <laughs> no, no, my friend. <laughs> it, it is, in fact, broken. I, uh, saw my, I saw my favorite orthopedic surgeon today. You shouldn't have a favorite orthopedic surgeon. <laughs> but this is a great guy who understands me. And honestly... I didn't think it was going to be a big deal. Uh, I thought it was going to be, okay, pain tolerance. If you can tolerate the pain, you can run. I was wrong. Uh, No running for six to eight weeks. So I'll pick my training back up in August. Now, I'm not going to stop training. I'm, as you've heard me talk before, I'm an aqua jogger. So I did get permission. I I can do the aqua jogging. I looked up. I got a program. It's actually a nine-week injury recovery program in aqua jogging, five days a week. 
So I want to work with uh, Coach Twiggs and work around that, and we'll see how it goes. I've actually got a race on my schedule uh, 60 days from today, which is right around eight weeks, isn't it, guys? So, hey, just another bump in the road. That's what's nice about having customized training, too, is that, you know, you had a bump in the road, and now he can work on fixing your schedule and work around it. Yeah. It absolutely is. And sadly, he's really used to doing that for me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know, I told Chris about it and he just went, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's good. It's good, kids. Uh, You know, you just got to keep going. Okay, moving on. Hey, news about how you, our friends, can support the podcast. Greg, what you got? Yeah, so this is an idea that we have been kicking the tires on for a long time uh, now, and we are so excited to announce that the Rise and Run podcast is now officially a part of Patreon. Uh, So this is just another fun and creative way um, for you, our listeners, to be able to help support the podcast, but also get some exclusive benefits as well, too. Um, We have all sorts of different levels that um, you as a community can get involved in. And again, that is if you want to get involved in There is no obligation whatsoever. And trust me, original way that we do this podcast is not changing. The Zoom calls aren't changing or anything like that. Again, this is just another opportunity for you to help support us. And in turn, we want to reward you for that. Um, so what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to head over to the URL of patreon.com slash rise and run podcast. And I'm sure we'll have John put this on our website to link it there. We'll have it in the show notes as well, too. And that's where you can go ahead and register and take a look at our couple of different tiers, um, that we have available. Now, obviously, we want you to go take a look at everything. You know, so if you do want to make a decision, you have all the information there. But I just want to give you a couple of highlights or a little teaser trailer <laughs> of, of what you can expect. So to start things off at our lowest level, we have the happy running level. Then if uh, you feel like you want to bump up to the next level, we have and actually, John, I need your help um, announcing this level. So the second level is called. Hey, how you doing? Exactly. The hey, how you doing level. Um, What's going to be really cool about that is that that's our first level where you get some fun gifts involved. Um, And then from there, we move on to a level that is framed after Bob's favorite. I shouldn't just say Bob, but the entire Run Disney community's favorite post-race snack, the plastic cheese level. How dare you, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I may be the only one who cheered on the bus. (laughs) <laughs> when I opened the, when I opened the box and the cheese was back. And then our our last level that we have is dedicated to our dear dear Jack. Yeah. And that is the man DeLorean level. Um so like I said, head over to patreon.com slash rise and run podcast. Take a look at it if you're interested. We really appreciate um you know your support in this way. And we'll we're really looking forward to all the wonderful benefits that we're looking to give back to you in exchange. So thanks so much, everybody. 
Greg, thanks. Thanks for, I know you worked hard on that and I appreciate it. And hopefully, I mean, the Patreon link hopefully will help us grow a little bit too. We'll see. Absolutely. So thanks. Moving right along, let's move to our special guest for the evening. My friends, a very special guest this evening, a fellow who's been with us a couple of times before, really needs no introduction, but let's just introduce him as our favorite character stop in the Disney World runs. Welcome back to the Rise and Run podcast, Jeff Galloway. Great to be here. Y'all do such a great job. I feel like uh, I'm home. Thank goodness, because I was going to say I feel the same way. Part of the family, my friend. It's really, really great to see you, and, and always great to see you looking so well. And happy belated birthday. Yeah. Yep. Thanks. Yep. Um, hey, I want to start. We've got some questions from listeners, Jeff, great. that we'd like to talk about. I mean, here we are. We're getting ready. We're in the early stages of the training process for the fall and winter run Disney season. But before we do that, let's talk about what's going on in, I'm going to call it Jeff Galloway land. Let me start with something that just recently came about, the training hub. Tell us about the training hub, Jeff. Well, uh, my son, Weston, who put together our Jeff Galloway Run, Walk, Run app, has um, been working on bringing together the various training uh, schedules and and uh, support mechanisms into the hub. And the idea is it's easy to find what distance you want to train for and resources that will go along with that. And so um, all you have to do if you don't have the app is to download it for free, Jeff Galloway Run, Walk, Run, um, app and uh, then uh, look at the training hub and just take a look at it, uh, look at the various components of it, and you can uh, select whatever you want and yep. it'll lead you right on through. Yeah, I've already put a link to join the app in our Facebook group and we'll do that again. Um, classes. There, there's some pay parts to the hub, but there's also a fair amount of free stuff on the hub. Yes, we have uh, free classes that will have more basic stuff uh, to get people started. And then as people have more ambitious goals or uh, structured or long-term goals, the hub will kick in there uh, for longer periods of training or more difficult training or whatever. And there are a lot of resources. So if you have a problem along the way, you can usually find an answer for it. Yeah. I noticed that the first free class dropped just a day or two ago, the Run, Walk, Run Basics. Absolutely right. Already been through it. Great. <laughs> it's good stuff. Good stuff. Well, let me ask this question because I know I've seen it a couple of times on our Facebook page. Is there a video or a class on acceleration gliders? Because I know everybody struggles with that one. <laughs> it is one of the most difficult things to describe. Uh, and that's actually one of the main reasons why we started doing our weekend retreats to be able to teach that in person. And it really 
comes to people immediately once I get out there with them on a, on a retreat. Uh, and we've got one of those coming up in August in uh, uh, North Florida, by the way. In Florida, yeah. But um, the concept is on uh, YouTube. Uh, so go to YouTube, uh, put in uh, Galloway Drills, and I'm not sure if there are any other keywords there, but uh, that that should bring it up. It should pop up. Yeah. You don't know this, I'll bet, but the last time he was here, Coach Twiggs said, hey, when you get to the expo, and he invited all of our listeners to do this. When you get to the expo, come see me and say, hey, Chris, come demonstrate the acceleration glider for me and I'll take you outside and do it. So if, if Chris is missing from the booth, Jeff, <laughs> you'll know why. That's perfectly fine. I love that. Uh, I actually used to do that myself in the earlier days when there wasn't a lot of traffic at the booth, but it, I can't do that anymore. No, you can't hardly get away. <laughs> um, I also saw, I saw a couple of videos. I saw one on, uh, Oh, golly, shuffles. I saw uh, the shuffle video today. Yep. I hadn't seen that before. Uh, that was interesting. So, friends, the information is there. The Jeff Galloway Hub will put another link in the show notes of how to join the hub. Again, you can join it for free. Plenty of information there. And there are also some pay things there, too. Uh, let's go chronologically, Jeff. The next thing I have in my notes here. I want to talk about is you got a new challenge, a step challenge coming up this fall. Yes, we have been uh, conducting a uh, an event for forty years now, mostly for companies, and it's it's a fairly large event, about ten thousand in it. But the whole purpose of this is to get people out of their chairs to move throughout the day. It's sponsored by Kaiser Permanente, who uh, has a mission of getting people moving. And uh, I've looked at the research. I've also tried a number of different ways to get sedentary people out and moving. And the step challenge has been the very best uh, way to do that. Uh, basically, it is an eight-week step challenge and you have uh, we have a uh, facilitation uh, platform to be able to enter your steps a leaderboard you see where you are and um, there will be some prizes uh, based on age groups and also uh, a special challenge beat Jeff so anybody <laughs> be quite that gets a more steps during the eight weeks than I do will get a special prize. Not an easy thing to do, but a, but a worthy challenge. Definitely a worthy challenge. As a as a seasoned individual myself, Jeff, I am fond of saying, if you want to keep moving, you have to keep moving. Well, I think that's uh, brilliant, uh, Bob. I you know where did you come up with that? Uh, Feel free reason? to use it. You feel free to use it. Go ahead. You Sounds can, great. You I will. Can, you can take I may it. or may not footnote you. <clears throat> <laughs> That's okay. I steal from Twigs all the time, so it's turnabout's fair play. Sounds good. Good to do. So, yeah. Hey, I I know that I'll I'll know what's going on with that. I'll make sure our friends who are listening know also. But the challenge is coming this fall. As sounds 
like fun. And it actually kicks off the 1st of August. So it is. 1st of August. Oh, that's not. not, And uh, okay. So go to jeffgalloway.com. You can uh, see about it. Is the info already there? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Shame on me. Should should be up and running now. Okay. All right. We will absolutely look for it. And it does sound like fun, Jeff. Uh, Let's go one more event. And this one's very near and dear to my heart. In the springtime now, not in December, but in the springtime. And I am promising everyone the weather's going to be wonderful because it was freezing last year. The uh, JG 13.1 race weekend. How are things going for that, Jeff? It's the middle of March. And, you know, according to global warming, we should have a very mild March, uh, certainly not a a, a bitter cold uh, March, but uh, you never know in Atlanta. In March. No, clearly not. But um, it's a beautiful course. Uh, it uh, is in and around our storied park of Piedmont Park and has a lot of historic uh, places that you run by. The Margaret Mitchell House, Jimmy Carter Library, Martin Luther King Center, and a lot of other uh, historic places in Atlanta. But it's fun. It's fun. Everybody's on the same page. And uh, we uh, are batting around uh, putting a title to this event, and that would be the World Championship of Run, Walk, Run. Have you ever okay. won in a world championship? Well, that's appropriate. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? I like that very much. Uh, I'll tell you the other thing I like about it, Jeff, personally, is it's another family affair. Yes, it is. Kind of like Disney runs. Uh, it's you'll You will see folks you know there. You'll meet new friends. Uh, get a chance to spend quality time with Jeff, his wife, Barbara. Uh, other members of the family were there this year. Carissa was there. Weston was there. Uh, the grandkids were there. Absolutely. I, I saw them, didn't spend a lot of time with them. But, and we are uh, looking forward to doing that again. But it, it is a, it's a great course. It's a challenging course. A net, net downhill, as Jeff will be quick to point out, <laughs> which, you, which you may or may not believe when you're running it. But it is. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a beautiful. But that, that gum at the... I think the azaleas were starting to broom yes last year, and it was a 19 degree wind chill at start. Yep, so, and uh, the azaleas hung on. Uh, yeah, they, good. They really That's didn't good. get singed, but uh, it was a chilly uh, wind chill effect there. You never know what's going to happen. All right. Well, we would like Jeff to. Get some of your wonderful knowledge and assistance. We, our friends have given us some questions. Great. We had a few folks call in with their questions. We'll play those when we get a chance. I'm going to start off with one that I hear all the time. And I actually heard or watched the video of you answering this one not too long ago. And that is, folks, when they're new to Run, Walk, Run, they want to know how fast should I run my run segments? How fast should I walk my walk segments? If I want to do, oh, I'll pick a number, 10 minutes a mile. And I, I answered it a couple of weeks ago, and I promise everybody that I'd let you answer it even better this evening. 
Well, we've studied that over the years. I think the first uh, year that we actually put the numbers together and looked at uh, several hundred people was back in 1980, of all things. Uh, And we've been analyzing it ever since. And what we found is that almost everybody, when they're on a walk break, say you're in a group, a pace group, almost everybody walks at a different pace. Now, when the group starts running again, you come back together again and you're going along at the same pace. But, you know, the the function of the walk break is to recover from the run segment. And we're not going to dictate how fast people should walk, which means that there's going to be a different pace for each person on uh, the walk and as well as the run. Now, the other thing that we have found in a lot of uh, research that we've done is that if you take an individual and uh, monitor that individual through a half marathon, even a, a 10K, the walking pace and the running pace is going to change throughout the race. So there is no way that you can dictate what pace. But the answer that I think the person is trying to get to is how do you judge the the pace of the run or the walk? And there are two ways. One of them is on Tuesday or Thursday, some midweek run, run a series of quarter miles or half miles at your projected race pace and try several different run-walk-run strategies. Now, after a while, after several weeks, you're going to find that your body sort of locks on to that pace and it finds the right pace of the run and the right pace of the walk to, uh, to satisfy that. Now, instruments can help. For example, on the Garmin, there is an average pace function. Not current pace, but average pace. And the average, if you set the average pace at what is a realistic goal for a given run, your body will also find a way to go at the right pace in walking and in running. And it, it all settles out. But you do have to practice it. If you don't practice pace running before a race, then it may not click in during the race. It's, it's all a matter of trying it out, and your body has the way in your brain to figure out how to walk and how to run. So, Jeff, as, as a quick follow-up to what you just said about you know, practicing the different ratios, whether it's doing you know, a quarter mile or half mile, is that a situation where you would discourage someone from, say, looking at their you know, they're running watch and, you know, to see like, okay, you're like, you know, maybe I'm gonna do a half mile and I've looked down at my watch at like the quarter mile mark or something like that. Like, would it be better to say like, okay, just run, do your intervals and then hit the lap button and see what the number is. Is that how you encourage practicing or is there a different way of going about that? Well, for most folks that I've worked with, it's, um, that is the goal after, several weeks or months. In other words, right at first, if your pace is all over the place, then it it would be productive 
get your watch out and time yourself for half a lap, sometimes even a quarter of a lap if you're doing it around a track, uh, or measured segments, or use the average pace function on your watch. All of those can be interacted with when you're first starting to learn how to pace yourself. But once you get that down, it is a good idea to not use the watch on the race pace segments because that solidifies your ability to stay on pace and to use the run-walk run that you plan to use in the race itself. I have a question that kind of goes along with this from Mary Beth. Um, When you're training for speed time, is it better to focus on shorter run intervals? Like if let's say you found 30-30 would work for um, let's say a 10-minute mile, but you want to go to nine minutes or something. Um, Would you focus on a shorter run segment or a longer run segment? Would you go up to a minute 30 or two minutes 30 or would you shorten the, the walk break? Well, on the app or also on our website and in the Run, Walk, Run, my Run, Walk, Walk, Run book, you will find boilerplate suggestions based on pace per mile. And those are a great place to start. So you would have your race pace segments on a Tuesday or Thursday. And uh, in on the app or in the book, it'll tell you what amount most people have had success with at that same pace. For example, if it was a 10-minute pace, then you'd start with something like 90 seconds run and 30 seconds walk. Now, from there, as you're doing those race pace segments for a quarter mile, a half mile each week, you could try various other strategies. And I encourage that because um, most of my uh, coaching clients that I have, uh, when they do that regularly, find that there are some slightly different ratios that they can use and it becomes more productive for them as an individual. So um, I would start with the boilerplate and then improvise as needed during the race pace segment. Perfect. Okay, so continuing kind of with the run-walk-run method, um, our friend Tammy has a question for you. She asks, when everyone starts, I don't feel comfortable stopping for my first few breaks during a race. Should I do intervals from the start? of the run until things space out a bit? Well, it's possible to train yourself to run the first segment of uh, a race nonstop. Maybe it's a half mile. I wouldn't recommend any more than half a mile. Um, And a quarter mile would be better than that. And the reason is that if you run nonstop in the beginning, you will tire the legs out so that you're going to lose some of your resiliency at the end of the race. And it's always better to take the walk breaks right away. Now, I understand how crowded it is at the beginning of races and how difficult it may be to do your walk breaks early. Uh, But I will tell you categorically that taking that first walk break according to the ratio that you plan to use will 
virtually erase all the fatigue buildup that, that's been going on. And if you run longer than you should on that first one, you're going to incur more fatigue that will get you later on. But finally, the best way to deal with that is to line up at the back of your corral. And then once the race starts, let the people ahead of you uh, take off and spread out. And then when you cross the timing field, you can start your race with a lot of freedom of where to take walk breaks and when to take them. I would insert just for our friends who haven't done one before, although I understand Tammy's question. She makes a good point. Good question. And there are a lot of races that are very crowded at the beginning, but Disney's not really one of them. There are a lot of people, but there's also a lot of area in the beginning of the race. So it's not hard to take your walk breaks early at a run Disney event. Jeff, our next question is a, a phone call from our friend Kelly. I'm new to the Jeff Galloway method, and I'm planning on running the Goofy Marathon and a half. I'm currently running four minutes on and walking for 40 seconds, and I'm wondering if that is a good method to stick with or if I should change it up to something different. Um, thanks for your advice. Well, that is probably a little too long. It may be a lot too long in the beginning and uh, can produce a, a whole lot more fatigue than shorter segments of running. We also have found that 30 seconds of walking is the maximum length that uh, provides benefit in recovery between the run segments. So I'd recommend right off the bat shortening the walk break to 30 seconds. Now, in terms of how much to run, if you will just uh, listen to the app, because the app, um, again, free download and a free run-walk-run timer with instructions on how to set it up. And the setup is based on the pace per mile that is realistic for you. But um, it's probably going to be, the run segment is probably going to be a whole lot less than four minutes, which means that you're going to be more refreshed than you are now as the race goes on. And with long runs, which uh, are the key to doing any of these long endurance races, particularly a goofy or for some a dopey, it's going to be very crucial that you slow down and walk even more because you cannot walk too much and you can't go too slow. Even if you walked the entire distance of long runs, even all of them, you would still get all the endurance based on the distance that you covered on those long ones. So um, don't worry so much about your time or your ratio on the long runs as long as you feel pretty strong all the way through. And shorter segments are much better on long runs. So our next question is from Philip. Instead of running in this very hot weather, I've been walking hills and long distances. For example, instead of a 45-minute run, I've been doing two-and-a-half-hour, eight-mile walks. Will this affect my training? It depends on how fatigued you get from doing those long walks. Uh, and in the heat, walking can be just as more fatiguing and, 
and can really cause a lot longer recovery um, than you would anticipate. So be careful about doing the long walks all the time. Uh, Now, that said, once a week to do a long walk may be absolutely fine. It's very individual, but if you're experiencing lingering fatigue after doing this regularly, I would have a week or two in which you shorten the amount that you're either walking or you're running. But again, I will say that if you're walking for six miles or eight miles, you're going to get six or eight miles worth of endurance from that walk. So it it's all good stuff when you uh, yeah absolutely you and it, and it works. I mean, I've been there for a couple of years and it works. It really does. Well, Jeff, keeping with the theme of heat, uh, we have a question from our friend Tracy, and she asks: With all this heat, my training runs are really slow, about two to three minutes per mile slower than normal. Will I be able to recover in the fall and winter with my pace before marathon weekend and dopey in January? Well, Tracy, um, I, I obviously we, we don't know for sure whether you will, but there's something you can do that will pick your pace up. Uh, but you should not try to pick the pace up on long runs, especially in hot weather. You're doing the right thing by slowing down uh, at least two minutes per mile slower than you're currently capable of running the race. Uh, On the heat, you should add an additional slowdown of 30 seconds a mile for every five degrees of temperature increase above 60. And this is designed to keep you safe because heat is the number one cause of death and running. And I'm against death. I am totally against it. Uh, But seriously, um, there are a whole lot of negative things that occur if you go a little bit too fast and on on long runs in the heat. And it's very easy to do that. Uh, So back off. You cannot go too slow on long runs, period, and especially on a hot day. So back off of that and uh, and use more walking uh, to help the legs recover faster. Uh, now, um, the way that you can keep your speed up is to do some of our speed workouts on non-long run weekends. So you're still going to do those long runs extremely slow with a whole lot of walking, and that'll give you the endurance. But if If you want to keep your speed up, um, go to the app. The app, our Jeff Galloway Run, Walk, Run app, has the workouts on the non-long run weekends that will keep your speed up so that you'll be able to uh, lock into that when you get into the race itself. And the principle is the same principle that world-class athletes and high school athletes and age group athletes have been using for decades. You're doing the long runs super slow just to build endurance. And then on a separate workout, 
on a separate weekend, you would do speed workouts that are paced about 30 seconds per mile faster than you want to run in your goal race. And uh, if you have any questions on that, the app answers those questions pretty well. Jeff, I think that's a concept folks have a hard time wrapping their head around training slow to run fast, but it's proven as you just talked about. And, and once they get into the speed workout that we recommend in doing those really uh, long uh, half miles or mile repeats, they usually get it because you're running faster than goal pace and you're increasing the number of those as the season goes by. And by the end of the season, you're running a whole lot of these things and you're getting very tired. And so uh, the ability to maintain pace at the end of a race is developed by doing the same thing when you run these long speed workouts. So Jeff, how frequently should we put in speed workouts? Should it only be the off weekend from your long run or should you throw in like a speed workout in one of the 30 or 45 minutes or like how much is too much speed? Well, speed workouts as well as other types of training uh, are very specific in their benefit. Now, the speed workouts that I'm recommending on the non-long run weekends that speed work has been the most beneficial and has helped uh, tens of thousands of people achieve goals that they didn't think were possible, uh, as opposed to running faster type workouts during the week. Uh, And you need to know that for the half marathon and the marathon, you're only doing those speed workouts every 14 days at the beginning of the program. And at the end of the program, You're only doing those workouts every 21 days, but it works and uh, it really allows you that uh, speed slash endurance that can carry you through the last few miles of your race when normally you would slow down due to fatigue. Now, during the week, there are components that can help you in other ways. For example, As you know, we put the drills, the cadence drill and the acceleration glider drill on the two days during the week. Let's say that you go on Tuesday and on Thursday during uh, after the warm up, you put those drills in. Now, the drills will help your speed. They help your speed by making you more efficient in terms of your running form so that when you do pick up the pace, it is easier to do that and you're able to really cruise at a higher level of speed than you used to. Uh, and, and then the other uh, speed component that can help is uh, uh, the race rehearsal segments where you're running right at pace and you're trying out different run-walk-run strategies. That's usually done on a Tuesday. The final thing that can help you during the week would be a hill workout, which I usually put on Thursday. And uh, that workout uh, develops strength in the legs better than anything else I've ever seen. Far better than going into a gym. Hills are something else. (laughs) 
They are. And, and let me just give you a quick preview on that. As you go up a hill, you actually start out with uh, five to 10 steps that are pretty easy, very easy. And then you start picking up the cadence and shortening your stride. And on an incline, as you get up to the last third or fourth of that hill, you'll be huffing and puffing. And that is your sign that you are building strength in those legs. So keep it up. There you go. Good stuff. We've got a couple questions that are similar, Jeff. One from Julia, one from Joellen. And let me, I'm going to ask Julia here. She says her magic mile says her race pace for the marathons will be about 14 minutes a mile, maybe a little over. So therefore her long run training pace is slower than the balloon lady pace, 16 minutes per mile plus. How's that going to work come race time? And Joellen says kind of a similar question. She wants to know on long training runs, is it okay to run at a comfortable pace and not worry about speed. So again, we're coming back to paces on long training runs. Well, in in both cases, uh, and both of you had really good uh, questions here, Um, but on long runs, you can't go too slow. And if you happen to run a little too fast, uh, let's say you're just feeling really good in the beginning, uh, you can really uh, fatigue yourself and cause injury. So, Uh, The only monitoring that I would recommend is to make darn sure that you are running slow enough. And the computation function on our Jeff Galloway app and also uh, on our website can lead you in the right direction. Be sure to adjust for pace um, and, um, you know, the pace that... uh, that is realistic for you in, in uh, a long run, and then uh, adjust for heat. 30 seconds a mile slower for every five degrees of temperature increase above 60. And with that slowdown, you also need to change up your run-walk-run strategies. Uh, so, you know, all of that is explained on the app, and it, it, the app will just lead you right on through that so that you uh, will know what to do. And the only thing that sort of bothered me about the question of just just run relaxed is that a lot of people, when they run relaxed, run too fast at the beginning, and it gets them yeah, in funny later on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's just human beings. Yep. But it's a good point. Jeff, let's go back to the phone. We got a question from our buddy Mark. Uh, I'm someone that's been using the run-walk-run method for several years now and had a lot of success. I ran my first Dopey last year. Uh, so first off, thank you. This year, I'm running Dopey again. I have a speed goal for my marathon, which is at the end of Dopey. So it's conservative, not even as fast as my magic mile says I could go under ideal conditions. And I'm doing speed work, and I'm using my Tuesday runs to practice my race intervals. but. I've had rough Tuesdays where even keeping up that pace for 45 minutes seems challenging, and it makes the idea of keeping up that pace for hours of time seem pretty unattainable. I was wondering if you had any advice for handling the mental side of tackling a speed goal like that. Thank you very much. Well, it's a real good question and something that uh, most listeners will go through at some point. Um, the bottom line is don't give up. 
uh, I hear the stories every day of people who are faced with these uh, daunting workouts and uh, they, in the beginning, aren't able to maintain pace. There's a good reason why you wouldn't maintain pace at this time of the year, summertime, because the heat is going to slow you down. But um, as you get closer to race date, especially since you're going to be running four races in a row day after day, then you need to be realistic. And if it still is extremely difficult for you when you're doing your speed workout to maintain race pace all the way through the workout, then you may want to adjust that, uh, that pace and in uh, in customized Chris can help you with suggestions there and you also can uh, email me at jeffgalloway.com if you have any questions so uh, we're all in this with you and we can tell you that there are a whole lot of success stories of people that do all of the workouts that we suggest leading up to Dopey, and uh, they accomplish things on race day that they never thought were possible. Now, realize that it is Orlando, Florida, and even in January, there can be some warm weather, which will slow you down. So you got to be realistic on race day also. Agreed. I I chuckle when we talk about 30 seconds over 60 degrees because where I live, you'd have to run backwards (laughs) after a while. But that's another good point though. I think Jeff is that we acclimate to different uh, temperature zones. So it might not be 60 for somebody who lives down here and trains in this all the time. It might be 65 or 70 before we back off. Yeah. And I will um, agree with that to some extent, but, I will also tell you that I know of instances where people have gone into heat exhaustion um, when they temp- when the temperature was only seventy to seventy five. Yeah, and and they lived their lives in Florida, so it is possible to overdo it, and that's why we set up the guidelines because uh, you know I I don't want anybody to to pass out on a run. And, uh, absolutely no, and no, you absolutely understand that. And you mentioned Bob that you'd have to uh, go backwards, not really go backwards, but but it, you have to put a lot of walking in in order to slow the pace down, and realize that walking does not induce a core body temperature increase like running does. So walking can keep you safe. So Jeff, our friend Amy would like to know if you have any tips for. Um, physically moving outside of your comfort zone, um, like challenging yourself to go faster um, at races? Yes. um, It's all about which brain component you use. We have two brain operating systems that we use concurrently all day long as humans. One is the ancient subconscious monkey brain, which we use a lot, and it gets us into trouble when we use it for running. But then we have the human brain. And Uh, If you want to stay focused and you want to give a challenging goal a try, you need to have a strategy because a strategy in which you're working on pacing, you have mantras that can keep you going, you have 
some image of how you're going to keep going even when you're tired. And all of these things can be practiced during the speed work that prepares you physically and mentally for your goal. Basically, the speed workout that we have will progressively get you to a certain level of fatigue during the workout. And then you have to keep going for several more. And it's the keeping going for several more that prepares you to do the same thing when you get in the race and you feel like you're on the edge, but then you remember that's exactly what you did in the workout. Mm -hmm. Even though you sometimes doubted yourself, most of the time, if you really keep going and don't give up, you're going to be able to really ace that workout. And that will help you maintain that pace when you get into the race itself. That's why the training is so important because you have to work that stuff out. Even if you're only doing eight miles and you're working on a marathon, there's going to discover all sorts of things that happen during those eight miles. So right. Who was it? It was our, uh, it was our friend Jill, I think, who we had on a while back who talked about those last couple miles are the miles you came here for. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it makes perfect sense. If, if I need to run to 15, 12 to 15 is where I'm learning to run to 15. Right. And, and it goes throughout, throughout the training program. Well, you know how we get so excited for the races and we have so much energy. We have so much adrenaline. Margaret has an awesome question about what do you do and what kind of strategies do you have to quell pre-race jitters? Pre-race jitters are part of our experience, but the way that you control that is to have a series of cognitive thoughts. Now, each individual, each runner uh, finds different things that work better for them, but the components and the types of things that can keep you focusing on strategies are the best. And uh, mantras that really get towards the goals that you want, or maybe help you overcome jitters and things like that, uh, then focusing on the strategy where you're, uh, you list the number of steps that you have to take in order to stay on pace and accomplish your goal, and maybe different parts of the race. You go through it as you're on the starting line, and then you keep going back to that with each mile mark. Um, I'm in mile three and I'm still warming up and I'm not going to run too fast, even though I feel like I can. All of these are cognitive thoughts. And when you have a cognitive thought, you activate your human brain, which overrides the monkey brain, where those jitters come from and where those doubts come from. And even more important, where the negative hormones come from that will cause you to get less and less motivated as you go on. So having a cognitive strategy, saying positive thoughts, countering the negative stuff is going to activate the human brain and give you control over whatever you're doing right then and can carry you all the way to the finish line. Okay, so next up we have a question from Tracy. And she says, I'm running coast to coast next January with the half at Walt Disney World and the half and the challenge at 
Disneyland, also talking about Dopey to Dumbo. Are there any things that we should consider for these back-to-back race weekends? And um, I will also tack on to her question because I'm running um, Donald to Dumbo. So I'm doing the half to all three races at Disneyland. Um, And there's not a specific like run Disney training plan for doing that type of challenge. Well, um, I'm going to look into that because uh, there needs to be a training program. And I'll tell you what it is right now. If you, whatever it is that you're doing on the Walt Disney World uh, weekend in in January, the one before Disneyland, um, you need to build up your long run for that. And then the following weekend, uh, do a walk that will build up to the distance that you're going to be doing at Disneyland so that you get that one week you're doing one distance at, at the end of the program. And, and then you're the following week, you're also walking the distance. If it's the half marathon, then, then do that. And that will prepare you for it. You can even, uh, on the last long one before Walt Disney World weekend, you can walk that one too. Um, But anyway, uh, I'll work on that. Now, the other thing you can do when you've got these week-to-week repeats like this is to recover fast from the first one. So you want to make sure that you don't... uh, exhaust yourself on that first weekend and um, just keep thinking that you've got another race the following weekend and you don't want to overdo it even if you're feeling good. Things that will help you recover faster, first of all wearing compression sleeves on your calf muscles. Uh, Then right after you finish each race you want to eat a reloading snack that is um, four uh, is a hundred calories if you've run four miles or less, and three hundred calories if you've run thirteen miles or more, and in between if you've run in between. Uh, and the best composition of these reloading snacks is mostly simple sugar, so that's going to get into the system quick, quicker, and reload your glycogen stores. Uh, it also can reduce hunger effect after racing too. Uh, but within 30 minutes is the key for that reloading snack. Then uh, two to three hours after your races, uh, try to soak your legs in cool bath of water for 15 minutes. And the temperature, uh, well, you don't have to put ice in it, but the temperature needs to be Uh, about uh, 20 degrees cooler than body temperature, around 78 degrees or so. Um, And then in the afternoon, after your races, walk around a little bit. You want the blood to flow after you have run a race in the afternoon. And all of that is going to help you recover faster. I have a follow-up question. (laughs) Um, I know for... 
some people like myself is um, as soon as the marathon is over, which I'm not running the marathon, I am cheering for the marathon. Um, but the day after on Monday, I'll be flying five hours across the country. Yep. Um, <laughs> and then, and then also um, in going to the parks, like, cause I live on the East coast, so I don't get a lot of time at Disneyland. Um, pairing that with not overdoing it for the races. Like, do you have any advice as far as you still want to go and see all the fun things, but you don't want to push yourself too much? I would have uh, an extra pair of calf compression sleeves and wear them after your races uh, all, all your whole time uh, going through the parks and also flying uh, back home. Um, and, and you can even wear them for the next few days afterwards. Uh, the compression sleeves definitely help blood circulation, which then helps the muscles recover faster. So all of that is good, and um, there's a lot of good research on the compression sleeves. The, um, some massage on the legs will help. Not really deep tissue, not really... Uh, you know, invasive type of massage, but um, some type of uh, manipulation of the muscles can really help blood flow. Uh, our The BFF uh, vibrating massage that we have is really good. It really uh, has helped a lot of people recover faster. Uh, and then um, your question about walking the parks very individual in nature. If you're used to walking a lot, uh, particularly after long runs, then it's certainly appropriate to go to the parks. Just don't totally exhaust yourself. Uh, use common sense. And most people do. I mean, I uh, hear regularly from uh, Disney folks who will run a marathon in January, and then they'll go out and walk another 12, 15 miles in the parks. And, and very seldom do I have any super negative things that happen. Now, obviously, they sleep really well that, that evening. But you know what, Lexi? You know what this means? Remember that one time on Thanksgiving, we bought all those pro-compression pro socks? Going to good use. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was also saying it's a good <laughs> I was also thinking it's a, a good excuse to book senses and get you a massage. Oh, yes. <laughs> tempting, tempting. I think Casey and I tallied up what we did in our perfect season, and it was double the amount of the race miles. So we, we raced something like 100 and something or 200 miles, but we also walked the same amount at the parks afterwards. Wow. wow. Yeah. Not hard to do. That prepares you for enjoying the parks after your races. Well, Jeff, very similar to Tracy's question about going from Marathon Weekend to Disneyland, our friend Erin has a question. She says, if you signed up and trained for the January races, how would you then transition into training for Princess in February once you're done with Marathon Weekend? What would that training schedule look like since you know, you're probably only looking at a six-week difference between the two? Well, after... Um if you've just run Walt Disney World or if you've done both uh, weekends um, at 
Disneyland too. Um, the next week or 10 days, you can walk. You don't have to do any running, but do walk every other day for at least half an hour. And then two or three weeks after your the last race that you had, if it was at uh, Disneyland, for example, two or three weeks after that, you could get back into the running. And um, the distance would depend upon counting back from Princess uh, three weeks before, two, excuse me, two weeks before Princess, uh, doing a 14-miler and then uh, a 12-miler two weeks before that. And that's going to pretty much bring you back to, uh, to uh, where you would be after your uh, recovery period uh, in January from the January races. All right, let's switch gears a little bit and talk about what we can do with nutrition and cross-training. Our friend Elizabeth wants to know, uh, what kind of strength training should we do now? I know you mentioned that running hills is probably the best thing you can do for your quads. Is there any other strength training you'd recommend, Jeff? Well, actually, hill training is not so much for your quads. It's for your calf muscles. Oh, yeah. The ability to... uh, to keep going as you go up a hill when you start to get tired. Uh, it's like any other form of training where you're testing yourself just a little bit. As you continue to increase the number of hills that you're doing, you uh, get the muscles in your calf, which the calf muscle does most of the work. Uh, that makes sense. Those muscles will just get more capable of keeping going while going up a hill. So uh, that um, that is the best training for the legs that I've found. Now, uh, and, and it also, the hill training will also help you lock in to a form going uphill and going downhill that can help you greatly during races. The form going uphill is to keep your feet low to the ground, have a light touch of the foot, and keep shortening your stride as you go up the hill. The form, and then what you do is walk at the top to recover. And when you're recovered, run down with your feet low to the ground, a light touch of the foot, and just let gravity pull you down the hill uh, with that light touch. And uh, don't let the stride get too long. So that is what hill work does. Now, other strength Um, types of exercises will really be based on the individual's needs. But the one area that everybody could use some help on is the postural muscle group to keep you upright. And that's going to help your form. It'll help your breathing. It will also give you good posture to support your spine throughout the rest of your life, which is pretty good to do. And uh, there are a number of exercises that you can do. There's one um, exercise that I call arm running that I've had great success with, uh, both myself and and a number of uh, clients I've had who've had back issues. So find strength exercises uh, for your shoulders, your neck, the muscles up and down your spine, and your abs, and uh, 
the arm running exercise is the only one that I know that strengthens all of those groups at the same time. The next question is from Cassie, who is my mama. Um, and she follows Galloway method. She's listened to all of the podcast and, you know, read a lot of articles from you, Jeff. And, um, but she wants to know, um, she said, what do 50 plus or mature aged runners need to consider about muscle issues, bone issues, lower back nutrition that might be somewhat different from younger runners? Um, and to follow up, to give a little background, she's dealing with a bulging disc in her back right now. And her chiropractor said no running. And she's like, no. <laughs> Um, but she's been rehabbing it and it's getting better, which is great. Um, but that begs the question, you know, in getting back to running, you know, she wants to keep going with it. Well, first of all, uh, if a doctor says don't ever run again, you need to get a second and possibly a third opinion. Because uh, in most cases that I've worked with, there's always a solution that can keep people running and give them all those mental benefits that are unique to running. Uh, now, uh, with things like uh, bulging disc, uh, this is usually not a deal killer, but you do have to accommodate to it and you have to uh, do things that will keep it from getting irritated. One of them is upright body posture. If you lean forward, you, you, you're going to tend to aggravate back issues of, of many types. Uh, and so uh, strengthening the muscles that surround the spine, uh, the shoulders and the abs, a uh, great way to keep the uh, your torso upright and support the back. Um, you also don't want to have a long stride. Long stride torques the back and can aggravate things. Um, and uh, the other major thing you can d do is adjust the run-walk-run from the beginning. And uh, if you've had uh, issues with the back or other related orthopedic units uh, recently, then you want to be uh, particularly gentle at the beginning of every single workout so that you're walking for five to 10 minutes gently, and then you're easing into whatever you can do on that day. And you may not know what you'll be able to do, but you should, you should start off with a very gentle strategy of something like uh, run for five seconds and walk for 30 to 60 seconds. And uh, after doing that for three minutes or so, then uh, if everything's okay, you could go up to seven and 30 to 60. And then if everything goes well after three to five minutes, you could go up to 10 uh, run and, and uh, 30 to 60. Now, the running part could be more of a shuffle. Shuffle is the most gentle running motion that you can use. And it keeps the feet right next to the ground so there's not bouncing. And uh, the short stride will keep you from torquing your legs. So shuffling is uh, the best form of running that you can do under these types of situations. Now, if 
you still are having some little aches and pains on these short segments, then you can actually take a two to three minute walk in between each of these segments. And the combination of starting out extremely gentle with very short segments and uh, gradually building up and then inserting a two to three minute walk between uh, segments has been the thing that has kept people in the game, uh, even when they've had some fairly serious back issues. The the, uh, orthopedics in your body uh, are going to tend to adapt to the running motion if you're gentle and you gradually build up. Hey, Lexi, Mm -hmm. get Cassie a copy of Jeff's book, Running Till You're 100. Okay, I will. Um, And I know, I mean, she is way faster than I am. Um, but you know, she's used to running eight and a half, you know, under nine minute miles. That's and now awesome. and I know she's amazing. Um, that's my mama. <laughs> um, but now, you know, she's having to walk and she's like, I'm itching. I'm just, I just want to keep going. I get, I get that very, very well. I understand it. And it, it patience is not strong amongst runners. You've got to be patient. You've got to take baby steps coming back from stuff like that. And speed kills. Uh, so speed is something that if you've got a bulging disc or something like that, you, you don't want to go there until you've got things uh, absolutely in, under control. But the good news is that by making these conservative adjustments, most people are able to get their runs in and get all of these wonderful mental benefits as a result of it. It just takes time. Yeah. So take it slow and don't push it too hard. And adjust the run-walk run according to what you can do on that day. But it always is helpful if you've had recent aggravation of a back issue to start out with the very short shuffles at first uh, every run. Just warm up. So our next question is from our listener, Margaret. She wants some recommendations for pre-race nutrition's night before and morning of. Generally speaking, I uh, am aware of many more problems and when runners eat the wrong things or, or eat anything before a race as opposed to not eating anything before a race or before a workout. Now, that said, you just need to find what works for you. And the way you find that out is to practice before long runs and or before speed workouts. And it's best to start, if you feel the need for something, start with something that's very, very bland, uh, like toast, dry toast, uh, something like that. And then if you find something else that works for you, ease into it with not very much of it at first. In terms of drinking uh, before a run, I recommend as soon as you wake up to have a glass of water or a cup of coffee if you're like me and like to have your coffee in the morning. And then that's it before you start. Now, once you start, the rule of thumb is two to four ounces of water every two miles and 30 to 40 calories of sugar. And having sugar snacks 
will allow the digestion to go much more quickly with fewer side effects uh, and can keep your blood sugar level up. Your blood glucose is your brain's only fuel source, and you're going to use up uh, some of that steadily through long runs. If you don't replenish it through the snacks every two miles, then the brain will start shutting things down towards the end, and you don't want that to happen. It doesn't have to happen. Uh, So again, it's two to four ounces of water and 30 to 40 calories of sugar. Uh, I actually, throughout my whole career, uh, going back well more than 50 years, uh, have combined all of this. And uh, on long races and long training runs, I drink D-Fizz Coca-Cola because you get the sugar, the uh, water, and a little caffeine as a gift. But you need to practice this on repeat long runs to figure out the formula, the timing, the amount, and then you're, you know what to do. I agree with that because I've had a lot of problems with trying to find food that works best for me. <laughs> All right. just right. Uh, we're getting close to the end here, Jeff. We've got one more phone call. This one from our friend Maggie. Hey, friends. It's Maggie Farrington from Boone, North Carolina. Um, with Magic Bound Travel. And so I have a travel-related training question for Jeff Galloway. Um, I'm sure he is on the road, in the air, away from home often um, with all of his events and engagements and running events. And so I would love for any tips or tricks on how to stay true and stay um, committed to the training plan while we're on vacation or traveling for work trips, things like that. Um, how to stay accountable, stay on track with the, the week's training, um, maybe how to look ahead to where the destination is and some safe place running and just how to accommodate um, maybe packing for that, but also looking ahead to the conditions and the weather and the safety. All right. Thank you guys so much. Talk to you later. Well, Maggie, uh, yes, I uh, travel pretty constantly. And uh, the bottom line on missing workouts or whatever, um, you need to plan in advance for what you're going to be doing. And um, it's certainly possible to move long runs or other key workouts in your schedule to when you get back or right before you leave or both. So uh, look at that and see if there's a slight adjustment. Um, You can move it certainly up to a week in either direction, and and you'll be fine. Now, during the vacation or your trip time, it is best to try your darndest to get out there every other day, because that's going to maintain your adaptations, and uh, it will really uh, make it easier to resume at the end of your vacation or trip. Uh, and then finally, um, as I mentioned before, in terms of recovering between races, the compression sleeves for your calves are really wonderful to wear on uh, plane flights and on extended trip situations when you're just sort of sitting there. Uh, and you can actually 
when you're on a plane or you're sitting in a chair somewhere, you can actually move your feet up and down and get some pumping going on in your calf muscle, which I I, I do recommend. Uh, but don't get too obsessed with the fact that you can't run exactly the way that you normally do. Uh, and and you mentioned safe places to run. Sometimes that is a problem when you're traveling. So don't obsess about that. Uh, enjoy your vacation or your trip. Try to get in at least walks every other day. Um, I've had to uh, do walks inside my hotel room from time to time, and I've just gotten used to that. And uh, it uh, it's become a habit that I actually don't mind at all. It may take a little getting used to and uh, breaking down the boredom of it, but it really does keep your legs moving as opposed to just sitting or lying down. This also goes hand in hand with Maggie's question and a similarity, but Laura has a question that what is your advice when you miss a week of running due to sickness? Because, I mean, we're human. We get sick. There's a complicator with sickness uh, because you may still have some infection after the week, even though you're cleared to run, and you may feel very weak. And you also, and here's the worst case, you may bring your resistance down so that the infection comes back or you get another infection if you push yourself too far uh, when you're making your comeback. So it's always best during the first week back into running that you be ultra conservative, uh, dial back your run-walk run so that you're really at a very gentle ratio and, uh, and run at a slower pace than you normally would. Uh, monitor your huffing and puffing. That's uh, usually a good way during that first week back to make sure that you aren't overdoing it. And don't try to jump back into the same distance you were running before you got sick. Ease back into it with just uh, 10 to 15 minutes the first day, and, and then two days later you could uh, bump it up another five to seven minutes and so forth and gradually get back into the amount that you were running before. Fantastic. Jeff, I cannot, we cannot thank you enough. You, uh, Professor, it was a very interesting lecture. I don't care how many times I hear it. I learn something new every daggum time. Yep. And it's terrific. We appreciate your time. We appreciate you. I love working with you guys. Well, you, you you love working with us because you love working with runners. You love working with this family. And as you once told me, you can't fake that. And I have taken that to heart. I absolutely have. Thank you, Bob. It's only, let me look this up here. It's only um, 105 days until the Wine and Dine Expo. Well, I can't wait. Oh, shucks. You know, I can't either. We're looking forward to seeing you there. Same here and and many contacts in between, I'm sure. Outstanding. Once again, Jeff Galloway, thank you so very, very much. That was absolutely an amazing interview with Jeff Galloway. And you know, he was talking about fueling, right? A little bit in there. You know what else is fueling? 
fueling your day with snacks at Disney. I mean, don't you guys agree? Sure. That's right. <laughs> yeah. It's not the right kind of fueling, but it, it's good, you know? It's good. What do you for mean it's day. not the what's not what's <laughs> not the right kind? Come on. Well, I mean I would say right. it's the best kind of fueling. Thank you, Lexi. I appreciate that. It really truly is, you guys. I'm really excited about this. And now Mark asked on our Facebook group. Uh, what are everybody's favorite Disney snacks? And that got a really big response. Yes. Um, people were saying some of the some of the good ones that we all love: Mickey pretzels, Mickey bars, the beignets at yeah. Port Orleans. Um, but then a couple people, Tammy and Jack, and a couple other people said school bread. Oh yeah, and that's I want to know one. what is Wait, school what bread? Is that? Real? You don't know that? No, mm-hmm. where do you get that? Wait, that say is, it again. Is it is it from a country in Epcot? Yeah, is, is it the, really? Yep, it is the top selling pastry in Epcot. Wait, oh. what, wait, are we taking guesses on the country? You can if you want. <laughs> I'm, it, I wait, know where Nor- it is. Norway. It's Norway. Yep. Oh yeah. yeah. Ooh, they got some good snacks up in there. They do. Yeah, I have a different pastry I get from Norway. Um, it's like an almond. Yeah, oh, the, kring- the Kringla, Kringla, I think they call it. Yeah. It, it looks like yeah, a pretzel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I have never gotten a pastry in the, Norway Lexi, before. That's a, oh, yeah, that's right. Like okay, ever. So, <laughs> you saw me eat one. Their cream puffs are delicious in Norway. Well, yeah, they are. And the school bread has a little bit of a cream cuff component to it. It's got a cream filling. It's very tasty. It really is good. So I guess all of that being said, though, you know, we had so many great responses on Mark's post, but let's let's go around the horn real quick. What what would be everybody's favorite uh, Disney snack? Go ahead, Jack. Oh no 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 no! I no I I can't be first. I feel like Allie has a good one. She's no, looking up I into the just, ceiling I right now, so it has it. to be like. No, I had one and I forgot it. Oh, Ali no, Ali right. told us hers last week. It was going to Pecos Bill and Cosmic Rays and stealing pickles. <laughs> That's kind of true. I like the I like the stealing element of it. It makes me feel like a badass too. So. <laughs> I but love I, it. <laughs> I want to say at Gaston's Tavern they have the um oh. the uh, drink there. I know everyone likes yeah. the cinnamon roll. The but what's Lafou's brew? Yep. Oh yeah. my god, that is one of my favorite things to get. Um, and then someone else had posted this as well too. And then Bob, you went and got one. That corn at Animal Kingdom is top notch with like the curry seasonings on it. Mm, that's probably my favorite snack. Good call. I would have to say I really love at um, Oga's Cantina the oh the Rodians yeah the road Rodians rations really oh my gosh. I could eat like 15 of those v- very bad for me. What is it? Um it's basically it's basically a jello shot. Um, <laughs> a giant jello shot, but it has uh boba beads in it. Oh. And um pop rocks, pop rocks on top of it and um I don't know, it's it's real it's good. good. Yeah. <laughs> um and then second at, I believe it was the Food and Wine Festival. It might have been Flower and Garden. I don't know. Um, the Shrimp and Grits over Ooh. close to Mission Space, I think it was. Mm, okay. I don't I don't recall, but yeah, they've had one. I don't know exactly where it was. Oh, I still remember that. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. Good. So I racked my brain about this. 
ever since Mark asked on the Facebook page. And I even asked my mom, I was like, what is my favorite snack at Disney? And she was like, Dole Whip. And I said, well, that's what I came up with, too. So it's a classic, I have to say, Dole that's Whip. That's a good answer. It's Nothing never wrong with fail. a classic. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> that's a good answer because I had the same problem. I, I don't know that I have one. I mean, I've obviously I've had and I really like the school bread. I really like that. I kind of lean towards, I love snacking at the festivals. Now, it's, I'm kind of cheating with that answer, but that's that's my favorite is to go to the festival booths. Are you saying all the snacks, Bob? All the yeah. snacks. Yeah, you just eat. like all of them. <laughs> that's all the cheating. Snacks. That is cheating. Gotta... <laughs> so if I have to narrow it down, there was a Flavors by Fire booth. Yeah, that's a good mm. one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, oh, man, there was some good stuff there. And the French fry booth that's over by oh uh, yeah test test track. Yep. test track yes yes yeah. not too shabby so mm-hmm. yeah so you're right jack i pretty much narrowed it down to everything <laughs> you know totally fair totally fair Doug. but like as we're talking about it i'm thinking of more snacks yeah that i like no. i'm like oh, oh but there's that oh but there's that one know. you know what was really good back when that short came out they had the i lava you Dole Whip in oh, Adventureland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was so good. And I don't like Dole Whips. That was so good. <laughs> the caramel popcorn in Germany. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that would have been on my list too, John. I and always the like maple getting popcorn. the little pizzas of car- caramel that they have. Maple in Canada, yeah. Mm, yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with maple or caramel on popcorn on anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've okay. You guys are gonna judge me. I've never had popcorn that's not just regular flavored popcorn before. I'm That'll judging change. you. Totally That'll judging change. you. I yep. knew it. I stared at all your guys's faces. You guys gave me the look. Oh my god! <laughs> no, we're gonna change that. We're gonna. John and I are gonna grab our favorite popcorns and we're gonna have a something fun this marathon weekend. Sounds good. Sounds no. Good. I, I have something tasting. better than that. I'm kidnapping Jack. What? We're flying to Japan. <gasps> yes, I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> because what I, I love watching um, TDR Explorer on yep. YouTube and the different flavors of popcorn that they have in Tokyo Disney yes. and Tokyo Disney Sea are just so beyond epic. And it's a lot of those where like you look at like oh that probably tastes disgusting and like yeah. he eats it and he's like oh my god this is so good so amazing I, I, so it, it would be a cultural and educational experience for Jim. i mean can we just one... go to tokyo disneyland yeah I, I, i'm right like, there with trying. you Lexi. just period <laughs> to round it out you guys i want to be real i don't know it might not be the most common snack i feel like people would go for but um there's like this lemon cheesecake in the Riviera Resort in their cafe that's to die for. And I'm all about desserts. And I've just gotten on this like lemon dessert kick the past few years. And it's good. good. Oh. All right. You know what was wrong with this segment? All of our friends have now just pressed the pause button. <laughs> they're, on, they're on their way to go get something to eat. And they're not going to listen to what we have to say next. But you know what, Bob? Here, no, no, that that may not be totally true. Because guess what? If they're at Disney and they're listening to this, they're running to that location. Okay. Running and listening. Ooh. Greg, what about <laughs> you? You mentioned Tokyo Disney, but what's your favorite snack at Disney World? Oh, this is a tough. It, my my mind first went 
exactly where you went, Allie, between the LeFou's brew and, and the cinnamon roll. I mean, mm-hmm. you could easily say, uh, you know, I, I do like the Mickey pretzel and, and you know, and, and the big cup of plastic cheese. Um, <laughs> you know, not, not the little dinky one we get now right, in, in, right. In, in, in the race boxes or whatever. Um, but this isn't adventurous by any means whatsoever, but it's actually something that I've just started doing at Disney World now that I've been taking my daughter, and that's just straight up popcorn. Yeah. Oh, Un- yeah. Until I brought her to Disney World, I had never had Disney World popcorn before. And, you know, being a little kid, she gets enamored with the popcorn buckets. And then I like do the math in my head. I'm like, you know, that refill price isn't terrible. So Mm-mm. usually, you know, we get the bucket and I, you know, I don't know what it is, you know, just how we talk about Disney World French fries. Like, why are they so different and so good than like the rest of the world? The same thing applies to popcorn as well, too. So and I, I do want to try the different uh, flavored ones as well, too. I know there's a little stand. I think it's outside of the Imagination Pavilion yep. or between Imagination and the yep. Land in Epcot that's got different flavors and stuff like that. So I want to try that. But yeah, I, I know it sounds just lame, but yeah, just straight up popcorn. Yeah, it sounds good. Yeah. The make popcorn, too. You can refill your bucket at that station as well. I don't know about the Germany one. Do you know about that, John? No, I don't think you can. But I know the maple one you could. You're right. Yeah. Apparently, that- you can mobile order that popcorn now from Germany. Really? So, oh, yeah. Oh, all right. All right. That was fun. And I'm hungry now. Yeah, I was going to say something. Mm-hmm. I was going to say We're something. We're all making some popcorn. popcorn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, we've got, uh, we've got some new merchandise available. We're taking pre-orders for. That's right. We have some new designs for the upcoming race season. We have designs for Wine and Dine, Marathon Weekend, Princess, and Springtime Surprise. And now can't see my eyebrows going up and down we have a race shirt for the california disneyland races so this season's race shirts are up and you can pre-order them at rise and run podcast.com slash shop slash pre-orders so um there's a link in our facebook group we'll put a link in the show notes as well But this pre-order is about more than that. You can actually order any of our designs in different colors as well, too. So if you want to get our regular logo shirt, but you want to get it on a different color other than the pink and blue that we've had in stock for a while, you can order it on several different colors, some neon colors, a bunch of rainbow colors. And then we have for one last time, um, we're going to do last season's race shirt because it was so popular. This is the last time you'll be able to order it. And you can order it again on any color uh, shirt, tanks, um, lots of different designs. We did the the V-neck tanks that you guys were requesting. So we have the options to order all of those. And those should be available in September. Pre-order ends on July 30th. And then we will have them ready to go for you before this season's races. Sounds great. What, Allie, we also have hats. That's right. I forgot we have new merch items. We have some hats available too. We have some of the, um, what do you call them, trucker hats. And we have um, the the tie-dyed hats that you've seen Bob wear. If you've come to any of our meet and greets, Um, they're all embroidered hats. So they're really nice quality and I think they're wonderful. So I hope you guys enjoy them too. If you've seen me anywhere since last October or November or whenever I got it, there's a, probably an 80% chance you see me wearing that hat. <laughs> I love it. And then 
I know yeah. I'm, haw- I'm hawking our own merchandise. It may sound disingenuous, but I really do. I really do like that hat. So thanks. So thanks, guys. Thanks for the work on that. Friends, hope you enjoy it. Friends, let's take a look at what's coming up the next couple of weeks. Episode 96 next week. Amanda from Once Upon a Marathon will be visiting with us. The following week, Amy Haas, who is on her way, well on her way, to running a half marathon in all 50 states. We'll be visiting with her. Looking forward to those. As we get closer and closer to episode 100, we're not that far away. Okay, friends, it's time for the race report. The race report this week actually starts a week ago on Thursday. We had a couple runs on Thursday in New Richmond, Wisconsin. Christine celebrated her birthday at the Willow River Run 5K. Not only did she celebrate her birthday, she represented the Run Disney community with pride, wearing her very favorite crowned athletics snow white attire. It looked really good. Uh, lots of fun. Lots of raffle prizes. Capped it off with a nightcap and queso at her favorite restaurant. What a great way to celebrate a birthday. Happy birthday, Christine. Great job. In Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Aaron ran the Storm the Bastille 5K. That was also on Thursday. All right, friends, let's move on to Saturday and start in upstate New York, Buffalo, to be specific, for the 716 Resurgence Run. Our friend Amy is here with us in the Race Report Spotlight to tell us about it. Hiya, Amy. Hello. I'm so glad you're here. Amy, what's a 716 Resurgence Run all about? So... 716 is the area code in, in upstate New York in Buffalo. Uh-huh. And it was also 716 was Sunday. Even though the race was on Saturday, 716. Yes, it, it was. was. By golly, Sunday. I didn't pick up, you know, I, I'm slow to the punch on that. I didn't pick that one up. Mm-hmm. So, so 716, even though the race was on 715, 716 is still significant. Yes. Yes, it was. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and because it was. 7.16 kilometers it was yeah. a pr there you go at that distance yes pr at that distance bell please greg so how about telling us a little bit about this run amy how'd it go um it went well um i actually well i had a lot of fun Let's good that <laughs> that's good that's good yeah that's so important so um i had i got to meet a lot of run disney people Oh yeah, um, yeah. There, I think there's maybe five or six people that I talked to, and it wasn't a huge race, so that was a lot of people. Um, but I had my springtime surprise T-shirt on, and okay. more people came up to me, and they're like, "Oh, do you run at Disney? And have you done this? And you know, so it was yeah. it was a lot of fun. That's good. That's good. She made new friends. Yes. Turned them on to the podcast, of course. Just yeah. say yes, even if you didn't. Just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I know I, I know there was somebody um, that posted on Facebook that they were also at the race. So I was, yeah. oh, I didn't get a chance to see you. But there was kind of a little bit of information overload at the beginning because there were actually two races. So okay, there was right. a 
7.16 kilometer race and then there was a 7.16 mile race oh and they didn't close the streets so oh. you had to know where to turn for each one of the races so at the beginning the race director was like you go here you go there and everybody was a little yeah, confused. <laughs> yeah. but it, but it worked out right it, it did eventually um so I'm a back of the pack runner. Um, That's okay. That's so great. Was, you, you you do really well, Amy. I'm proud of you. You've done great. Yeah, it it was a lot of fun. But I was I was actually walking at one point, talking with two other Run Disney runners, and we were going we were going up an overpass, not quite like Disney, but close. <laughs> and <laughs> the, no green no green army man there telling you what to do. No, um, but the first female runner came through, and she was going up the hill, you know, we thought she was the, the 7.16 mile race. She goes up the hill and then all of a sudden she turns around and comes back down. And it was like, did she miss the turnoff? And then about a quarter of a mile later, she comes back. She had done the turnoff, come back, but somebody was like, no, 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 you didn't do it right. Uh Oh, she got back down to the bottom of the hill. They said, no, 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 you did do it right. And she had to come oh, back golly. up the hill. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting race for her. Um, I got to talk to her later and she's like, she's like, I still, I still won, but there was a lot of extra hills. Yeah. Yeah. But she took it pretty well, huh? She did. She did. She was having a good time. Amy. So I'm on the website for this race. And first of all, it it looks great because it's, you know, part of a brewery and I loved your photo in front of, you know, in, in front of the exterior of the brewery and everything like that. But on the website, you get a lot of great swag. C- can you tell us about all the wonderful things you got for running this race? Yeah, they had they had really interesting things. Um, they had when you picked up your bib, you had a choice of either a hat or socks. Which I'm oh. like, this is the first time I've ever been to a race yeah. that gave you socks. Um, and then after the race, you got a coaster. And then your first drink was, came with either an aluminum cup or a glass that you could take home with you. And then they had they had beer and pizza and all that good stuff. But yeah, the swag was pretty interesting. It wasn't your typical race t-shirt. That's neat. That's neat. Amy, I, I said already, you've been doing really well lately. And when did you get started running, Amy? So I started running in 2018 okay um i started because i found run disney oh, okay and i found that you could run down main street and run there you the go castle. there you go and if i had to do 13 miles to do that that was yeah. what i was going to do yeah. um so that's how i started running and then i kind of got hooked just like everybody else seems like to. our friends listening that's for sure so you, you started that princess in 18. Outstanding. Uh, you did Dopey last year, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, my, fir- my first run Disney race was Marathon Weekend 2019. Okay. Um, so, yeah. And then, you know, it's funny. When I first did it, I was like 13 miles, one and done. You know, of course. I'm going to do this once. And then... After well, I did Princess twenty twenty right before the uh-huh. pandemic, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I was like, I kept saying, "Oh, I'm never doing, I'm never doing a marathon." And 
Famous last words. Famous yeah. last words, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, so I did my first dopey last in January of 2023. Yep, yep. I was. I remember being there. I'm pretty sure. I remember greeting you at the end. Uh, nice job. Nice job. What's coming up? Next Disney race is Disneyland. Oh, um, good. In January. Good for you. So, which I'm very excited about. I'd been wanting to get out to Disneyland for years and. Now I finally have a running excuse to do it. Um, next race is the Mighty Niagara Half Marathon at the end of September. Okay. Yeah, you've been doing a bunch uh, this season, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I'm finding, this is the first time I'm really doing local races. Like for, for a while, it was I was training for Disney. You know, it was the Disney races. Um, but this year I tried to do some local races and there's a lot of things up in Niagara Falls um, along the Niagara River. There's a really nice paved trail that goes basically the length of the Niagara River. And so at some point I'm going to wind up doing the whole thing with various races. That sounds great. It really sounds spectacularly beautiful. It is. It is gorgeous. Um, just the scenery is outstanding. Little tough training and racing in Buffalo, New York in the winter, though, isn't it? <laughs> yes, yes, and no. Um, I I like the cold weather. Um, I would much rather have my cold weather than the weather that you guys are doing right now in Florida. Yeah. Um. So, and I also my gym has an indoor track. There you go. Yeah. So that I helps. I always have an option to move indoors. That helps. Because I know you get pelted with a good bit of snow. Yeah, this past year was a little interesting. Thankfully, it kept all of my um, long runs. I dodged the snow. Sometimes it was a sometimes it was about twenty minutes before it started snowing, but I got them in. That's what. That's good for <laughs> you. You had a lot of snow there last year. Yes, we did. Yeah, um, we got hit at our house once, um, the blizzard around Christmas. Um, everything else was either north or south of here. So it was okay. It's it's Buffalo. It snows. We deal with it. Yeah, we, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's Florida. It's hot. We deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Well, my friend, I'm glad you had a couple minutes to tell us about the 7.16 kilometer run and your PR at that distance. Good for you. Amy, it's always a pleasure talking with you. We will see you again soon, I hope. Definitely. Also on uh, Saturday uh, in Barling, Arkansas, for the Brett Morrison Memorial AK, our buddy Joe ran that. He got first in his age group. And he let's, lets us know this was a memory of a r local runner who was shot and killed on his morning run eight years ago. So it's a special race for them. Good job, Joe. Uh, I appreciate you telling us. Joe does well in his age group. It's, I think that's kind of impressive. Continuing on Saturday, Brooke did a virtual run, the 2023 BTN Big 10 10K. If the Big 10 Network is sponsoring virtual runs, can college football be far behind? Which is hard to believe, as hot as it is in the South. But it's not far behind. Month from now, we'll be talking about it. Uh, the Arizona Sunrise, Sunrise Series 5K number five. Molly was scheduled to do this. Molly was injured. She's getting a lot better. I looked. She had a post. I found it just before we started recording. Molly's out of her boot. 
So maybe the next time Molly's on the race report, we'll be able to say she actually ran it. But in the meantime, Molly, I'm glad you're getting better. Well, maybe that's serendipitous too, because, you know, I, I've been, obviously it's really, really warm in the South and out West yeah. right now, but I, I was just listening to something on NPR the other day about how like the temperature has not dipped below like 85 degrees in Arizona Uh-oh. for like over two weeks. So the fact that, you know, you didn't have to get out there and do that run. That's, the, that's the, hot. The, 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 that might be, that might be a good thing in the long run. That's hot. Yeah. For what it's worth, it hasn't been below 80 here in the last two weeks either. But that's okay. That's okay. Molly, glad you're doing better. Uh, New York, the New York Roadrunners retro four-miler. Grace ran that one. Hot and humid. That's pretty much standard issue for this time of year. She backed off a bit and hit her B goal for this race. That's an important thing. I think we've talked about that before. Conditions aren't right. You can't hit your A goal, the race you wanted to run. Don't stress, relax, go, okay, I can't do that, but I can do this. And that's what Grace did a great job of. She said the retro theming in this race was a lot of fun. Great race, great music at the start and at the finish. Good job, Grace. In Noonan, Georgia, the great bend in the Hooch 12-mile trail run, Amy did her first trail race got all three h's hot humid and hilly got the full experience face planted it's not a trail run if you don't face plan at least once it's actually very true i've done it twice in a race i expect it now yep (laughs) got do you get lost on the course jack um yes until thankfully i I think one time i just waited to see if anybody was coming by (laughs) amy said she got lost on this one made friends made friends on the trail i understand that's pretty common in trail yeah yeah neat metal in this one it was a cowbell oh yeah kind of cool Hmm? yeah more more cowbell cowbell. (laughs) what we need i got a fever anyway moving on moving on to new london connecticut the lnm hospital summer stride 5k and 10k heidi did the 10k not her best race because of the heat again that's time for the b goal when it gets this hot back off doesn't have to be your best race. Uh, but she is happy that she took the long drive down from Massachusetts to participate because the race was well organized. The area was lovely. But I think she's mostly happy about the fact that she got ice cream at the finish. Good job, Heidi. In Mount Vernon, Iowa, the Glen Mar Wine Run 5K. Tracy with her son Joshua. It was Josh's first 5k so we know what that means that's a pr tracy uh tracy when she crossed the finish line was third in her age group she ended up getting pushed back to fifth because apparently some runners made a long wrong turn and they corrected for the lost runners she got pushed back to fifth that's still a good time and a really good race and third, fourth, or fifth, there were mimosas or wine punch at the finish line. That's pretty neat. Uh, cool medal. This was the medal that, for, and this is appropriate for the wine run, it includes both a corkscrew and a wine bottle stopper. How efficient is that, huh? That's perfect. What a great medal. What she really enjoyed, though, was running with her son. I think it's fantastic. 
Vienna, Ohio, the sixth annual 5K on the runway. Megan was there. Small local run, about 250 runners. In Ohio, she says the weather was nice. I think that's awesome. Haven't seen that for a while. Temps in the low 70s? Yeah, sounds pretty good. Uh, This is on an Air Force Reserve base. Pulled out some of the big planes for the runners to see as they ran by. And another cool medal, this one with propellers that spin. Cool. Stillwater, Minnesota, the Lumberjack Days 5K and 10K. Beth ran, and I did not. Beth ran the 10K. I'm sorry, Beth ran the 10K. I do have it here. Uh, Finished first in her age group and third overall female, just under 53 minutes. That's outstanding, Beth. Way to go. The Napa to Sonoma half and Rose 5K in Sonoma, California. Really pretty part of the country. Mm-hmm. Our friends Frank and Carrie ran the 5K. Perfect weather and a little rosé at the finish line, <laughs> as it should be for a rosé 5K. Megan ran the half. This is Megan's first race report. She used this one as a catered training run. She's getting ready to do the Marine Corps Marathon. Took an injury, took an injury, took it easy, recovering from an injury. Still finished with an excellent time. Uh, beautiful course. On Facebook, she has some lovely photos of the porta potties and the beautiful background. <laughs> she did it. She did a nice job with those, really. I mean, they, she intended for them to be funny, and they are good job. Alicia, the, this was the race that you were talking about a few weeks ago about being one of your bucket list ones, right? It is, yes. Awesome. Yeah, it's. Pretty area. I, pretty... I hope you get to experience those porta potties one day. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> been years since I've been out there, but it is a pretty year. Uh, Frank and Carrie live out there. Uh, Megan probably too. I'm not sure, but yeah, that's that's very nice. Now, the 5K in Manhattan down by the river. I tried to find exactly where it is, but I don't know. That's all Laura gave us in her race report. The 5K in Manhattan down by the river. I wonder if there's a van down there. People live in, never mind. Uh, Laura. Laura ran it best finish time in a while, although it was pouring rain. And Laura finished fourth in her age group. That's a good run, Laura. Congratulations. Moving to Sunday, the Pettit Family Foundation 5K in Plainville, Connecticut. Emily ran that one. Didn't see a report. I was kind of curious if Emily crossed off another Connecticut city out of the 169. And the, no, almost, almost the last race. We're getting towards the end. The Narragansett Running Festival in Easton, Massachusetts. Originally, this thing had various distances, but because of the heat, I think that was the reason. Uh, no half marathon, nothing longer. All runners were dropped to a 10k so avery and rob ran the 10k riley was there she had was scheduled for the half says she was kind of glad she didn't have to run the seven extra miles and all that heat (laughs) and yeah i get it that's probably good she tried to stick with her speedier friends for most of the race and unintentionally they paced her to a 22nd 10k pr nice well i hope she got a frosty narragansett afterwards because narragansett is a local beer here gansett yeah i 
she doesn't mention it. She says this is lifetime race number 91 for her. And she's trying to plan this out so that she hits number 100 at Walt Disney. Cool. That's awesome. I love it. Uh, Final run on Sunday, the New York State Park Summer Run Series on Long Island. Megan did this one. The race gives out free snacks and drinks at the end. And most people stick around for the barbecue. I don't know if Megan did or not, but great race. Highly recommended. She gives it 10 out of 10 on a grade. We actually had a run on Monday, also in New York, the New York Roadrunners Brooklyn R-U-N 5K. Our buddy Doug did that one. Doug says, all there is to say about this event is that it was hot and there were popsicles at the end. <laughs> a PR in weeknight fun for Doug. Yeah, come on. Popsicles at the end. That's great. I w- not a race, but I want to comment on something I'm seeing on Facebook. Mark's seven marathons in seven days challenge that he's put himself through. You guys notice that? Mark's running mm-hmm. a marathon. Mark B is running a marathon every day for seven days. He runs them in the 255 to 305 range. Oh, God. Yeah. That's fast. That's fast. Yeah. Isn't he calling it the Seven Dwarfs The Challenge? Seven Dwarfs, right. He's, mm-hmm. he's, got an, uh, he's named each race after a, a different dwarf. Yeah. Impressive, my friend. By the time this drops, he'll be done or almost done. But that's certainly worth mentioning, even though it's not a race. I think it's certainly worth bringing up. And speaking of special shout outs, I, I don't know the name of, of the race, but our good friend uh, Kristen over at Run Fit Mama, uh, she did a 10 miler uh, that she was hoping to get a POT for. Um, she did a, an awesome job of, of sharing her story over on Instagram and everything like that. And you know, she was talking about how at the the race start, the real feel was 102 degrees and she was struggling and she was thinking about pulling herself out, you know, two miles into the race and everything like that. Well, she turned her mindset around and she got a POT for Dopey. So, yeah. Yeah, So so I I just wanted to uh, say that a huge congratulations to Kristen. We're so proud of you and keep doing you. And inspiring so many in this community. You're doing a wonderful yep. job of it. So bravo, Kristen. Outstanding. Outstanding. I also remember seeing that, Greg. Thank you. Glad you brought that up. Friends trying something new this week. We do have our regular Zoom chat at 8 p.m. Thursday. And log on instructions will be on the Facebook page. We're also going to have a chat at 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon. I'm hoping that we are able to talk to some of our friends in Europe because that should be evening time. And I realize that a lot of you will have plans on a Saturday evening, but I do hope some of you can join us. We'll see how it goes. If it, if it goes well, we'll try and schedule these. I would say at least once a month. And uh, they've been, the zoom calls have been a whole lot of fun lately because we keep attracting bigger and bigger crowds. Also coming up on Tuesday, the 25th, uh, the Run Disney virtual 12Ks of Christmas uh, registration will be going on at 10 o'clock. So uh, this one's probably going to sell out quick from the 
chatter we see on Facebook. So uh, more Christmas registration stress. <laughs> well, there's one thing I know for sure. I know what Joe Graham will be doing on that day at that exact yep. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, mm-hmm. yeah, he's, he's already in, he said. Okay. Yeah, it, that's, if there was a race made for anyone, a Christmas virtual run, and Joe. Well, yeah. the medals are ornaments. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, so that's Joe in a nutshell, decorating a Christmas tree with Ren Disney medals. I think that sounds perfect <laughs> for you, Joe. Okay, my friends, that brings episode 95 of the Rise and Run podcast to a close. My friends, and if you run, you know you are our friend. We are always delighted. We hope you had fun this evening. We hope Jeff helped you out. I know I learned something. I don't care how many times I talk with Jeff. I learn something every time. All right. Good luck with your training. Keep it up. It's the hard part of getting ready for race weekend. The race themselves, they're the victory lap. But you can do this. Until we meet again, happy running. The Rise and Run podcast discusses general information about Run Disney and is in no way affiliated with Run Disney or the Walt Disney Company. Any information or advice discussed on this podcast should not be considered medical advice and should always consult with your healthcare provider or event organizer. <laughs>